Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're continuing, of course, our study of what we're calling victory over death. We're so glad you're here. This study, we're looking at one of the greatest truths of all, how Jesus Christ came and died and rose again and gives us the victory. The results of all human beings, we really have that victory. In fact, this, Jesus Christ brings victory over death to the human race. Because one of the things we realize is that in Adam, all of us connected in Adam, we're all supposed to die. But in Jesus Christ, all are made alive. Death is defeated. So what we want to do this morning is continue to see that. We've been looking at the four, we saw the four different kinds of death. And then last week, we started looking at the four provisions that God has done so that we can have victory over those four deaths. We saw the first two deaths, and there are the first two provisions last time, and we'll see the next two this morning. There's so much as we study it. Now, I want you to think about this, because this, this is the thing we talk about over and over and over again, and that is so many people are confused about what the gospel message is, what the good news message is. We know when I go to the grow group and I raise the question, everybody answers it right. When we go to about 30 group of guys. Everybody knows what we talk about. Tuesday night group of guys. I mean, the thing about it, our church, if we say, what is the gospel? We'd say it is the death and resurrection of Christ. And the response to the gospel is to trust in Christ for eternal life. It's that simple. And we all look at it and we say, it's really simple. But the problem is when we start talking to other people about it, it's not that clear. They're not clear. And it's, it's a confusing message. When we say the gospel, we're talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and faith in him. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Jesus Christ died and rose again, and whoever believes in him has what? Eternal life. But we hear so many confusing messages, and there are many of you that grew up with messages that weren't clear at all, and as you look at it, you look back and you say, well, that wasn't clear at all. They said, repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down an aisle, make him Lord of your life, do all those kind of things, and it's so confusing. And, and, and uh, what is amazing is that how clear the Bible is. In fact, if you think about it, the offer is what? It's eternal life. That's the offer. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Look at this. Paul writes in 116, Yet this reason I found mercy, so that in me is the foremost. Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. He said, I'm, Paul said, Jesus is going to use me as an example, an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. The confusion we have is people talk about Jesus, but they don't know what they're supposed to do with Jesus, and they don't know what the offer is. I mean, I hear people saying, if you come to Jesus, you'll have a great life. The offer's not a great life. I mean, you may have a great life, but the offer's not a great life. The, the offer is eternal life. And whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. And so we want to continue to think about that. And we saw that <clears throat> there are four deaths that are mentioned in the Scripture and that's why we call it victory over death, because if we just said there are four deaths in the Bible and we never went in any more detail about that, it would be sort of confusing. But there are four deaths mentioned in the Bible. There's spiritual death, which is a person comes to this world spiritually dead, not able to know God, not able to relate to God. Then there's a physical death, which ultimately is a result of spiritual death. We're born in this world, and ultimately our physical bodies die because, of, because spiritual death results in physical death. And then there's what we call eternal death, which is where people are separated from God forever in the lake of fire. And then last but not least, we talked about this, spent really almost a whole lesson on the idea of temporal death, which is believers, that as believers, we can actually be separated from God, not, not in our relationship, which is forever, but in our fellowship, because when we have sin in our lives, we're temporally dead. And that's the four deaths. And last week, we actually saw spirit, how, what, how does God 
deal with spiritual death and how does God deal with physical death? And we're going to just quickly, quickly review that. And then we're going to talk about how does God deal with eternal death and how does God deal with eternal death, and, I mean, temporal death. So let's look at this. We said last week that spiritual death, uh, spiritual life is the victory over spiritual death. That's what it is. That when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, you are made alive. God gives spiritual life to all who believe. We saw this in Ephesians 2. He says, when we were dead... That's supposed to be dead. When we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive, spiritually alive with Christ. It's by grace that's happened. He raised us up and seated us. And so the bottom line is, when we were spiritually dead, God has made us alive. Every one of us in this room, we came into this world spiritually dead. The moment we trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, he makes us spiritually alive. And now for the first time... As, as a person who's now a believer, we can understand the things of God. We can understand the Bible. That's why when you start reading it and you're going, oh, wait a minute, this, this fits. Yeah, I now see this. The second thing is, is that we talked about last week was physical life. God gives us a resurrection body, Jesus does, which gives us victory over physical death. Now, what makes this one a little bit unusual, this is not just for believers. Notice I didn't say when you believe you get a resurrection body. Now, the resurrection body the, oh, is to every person. God gives a physical body that will never die, and that's to all people uh, because he's conquered death for all people. We say when he died on the cross, he paid for sin for who? For all people. When he rose from the grave, he conquered death for who? All people. So the idea of having a physical body that's not going to ever decay is what God says. Look at this. This is what he's talking about us. He says, our citizenship's in heaven where we eagerly await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he going to do when he comes? He will transform the body of our humble state, this body, into conformity with the body of his glory. It's a glorious body. It's what we call a glorified body. And so that's going to happen. And so God says, your body is wearing out and it's dying, it's, it's mortal, it's, it's decaying, but what I'm going to do is give you a different body that will never wear out and never decay. And for us, when does that happen? It says the re- there's a resurrection of the body. It is sown a perishable body. It's raised in imperishable body. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. That's, that's a body uh, for all. So we have seen so far victory over spiritual death comes from spiritual life. He gives it to us when we believe. Victory over physical death comes from the new body he's going to give. And that's not just for believers. That's for everybody. Now, the, the three, the, the, uh, the four, this is the only one that's for everybody. All the rest of them deal with those who have believed in Jesus Christ. So let's go to the third one, and the third one is eternal life. Eternal life is the victory over eternal death. Let me tell you, <clears throat> how do you feel about the fact that a person who comes into this world and they're spiritually dead, and then they're, in a sense, they're fixing to physically die, and what happens, how do you feel about the fact that when they get to the end of whatever life they're going to have and they die physically, they're also spiritually dead, what happens to them? What happens to them? Do what? They, they die forever. They, so they, they're, they're going to have eternal death, or as the Bible calls it, second death. Now, is that going to be a good thing or a bad thing? What's it going to be like? What's it called in the Bible? It's called what? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, it's called the lake of fire, yeah. So how do we feel about a person who doesn't trust in Christ who's going to be sent to the lake of fire for how long? It's called the second death, and it's called the eternal death, right? 
So how do we feel about that? We're not very happy about that, are we? But we, what are we doing about it? Let me tell you, here's, here's how some of the people, some people who are Christians or say they're Christians do this. They'll say, well, we just don't believe God would ever send a person into eternal death, separation forever. So they come up with two ideas. One is that when you die, it actually, you're annihilated. It's the end of you. And you don't suffer forever. If you reject Christ and you don't, you don't believe in him and you die physically, you cease to exist. It's called annihilation. And they say, that, that's so much better than a person burning up forever. Okay? It's called annihilation. Then there's a second view that says, no, no, no. After you get down there, you'll have a second chance. And since it's pretty bad down there, you'll, you'll automatically trust Christ. So ultimately, everyone will be, what? Saved. That's what our world comes up with. Now, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, whoever does not believe in me will what? Be separated forever. He who believes is not condemned, but he who believes not is condemned already. So we're looking at one of the most incredible things that God says this eternal death, which is destined for everyone who never trusts in Christ, God says, I have a provision for that, and that is whoever what? Believes in me will never perish but have eternal life. Sometimes do this. Just take, take, take your New Testament. Just take a New Testament and look up eternal life. You can take a concordance and look up life and then see all the places are eternal, or look up where it says eternal and see, and see how many places where the Bible says that you get eternal life. There's a lot of them. Now, as we've said many, many times, there are a lot of people who do not believe that eternal life actually is eternal life because they say something like this. Well, you can believe in Jesus and be saved, but then you could lose it. So then that means it wasn't what? It wasn't eternal life. It was life for a while. It was what we might call temporary life. And so in their minds, you can believe in Christ and be saved or, or have life, but it's not eternal life because if they quit believing or they do bad things or they don't live what they're supposed to do, then they lose their salvation or they never had it or something like that. And so you never really had eternal life. The Bible says whenever you believe in Jesus Christ, what do you get? You get eternal. How long does that last? Forever. So you can't lose it, can you? You cannot. So let, let's talk about eternal life for just a second, and that is this. God in Christ Jesus has conquered even eternal death. How does he do that? He does it by giving us eternal life. My two, two of my favorite verses, of course, and this is the one, listen, all of, us, all of us should be sharing our faith because anybody that we just mentioned, anyone who comes into this world who is spiritually dead, who dies physically, then has eternal death. And if we actually believe that, and believe that there are people we know every day that are going to be going into a separation from God forever. If we actually believe that, we should be doing what? We should be sharing our faith and telling them how they can have eternal life. So God has a provision. The provision for a person not to perish and to have eternal life is by faith. John three sixteen. God so loved too. That's us. That he gave his son. Gave him what? Gave his son to do what? Die and rise again, that whosoever, that's who? Anyone, whosoever would believe in him would never perish. What does it mean to perish? Not just physically die. It means to be separated from God forever. And to perish has an idea of destruction aspect. It has an idea of being in the lake of fire. Would never perish but have what? 
eternal life. He tells us, whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. So if we really want to share our faith, and we say, I'm kind of scared to do it, or I don't know what to say, you all know, every one of us in this room know John 3.16. And all we have to do is just tell people John 3.16. That's really it. I mean, you know, it, uh, we, you don't have to get all philosophical and brilliant and everything else because the Word of God is what's alive and powerful and sharpened into a sword, and the Word of God is going to touch people's lives, and the Holy Spirit's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Not you. You don't convict the world. The Holy Spirit convicts the world. And so all we have to do is just be faithful to what? To tell people how they can have eternal life simply by faith. Every human being that comes into this world dead, spiritually dead, will eventually die physically, and when they die physically, they will have eternal death. If we truly believe that, we say God has a provision for eternal death. It's called what? Eternal life, okay? And how do we get eternal life? By faith. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, puts their faith in him, will never perish, but have everlasting life. John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never, what? Perish. He gives, what? Eternal life, and we shall, what? Never perish. The way it's written in the Greek, it's no way, no how, no way, ever perish. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about the fact that the moment you trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved forever? It's hallelujah, right? We ought to be jumping up now. We ought to be clapping and cheering and throwing garlands. You know, just who knows what we could be doing. But the truth is, we, we, we don't have to say, okay, I've got to live right. I, uh, we do want to live right. We want to live right. We want to bring honor and glory to God. We want to serve him out of love by what he's done. But we don't go over our lives with a cloud on our head saying, I hope I can keep this. I hope I can keep this. I hope I don't lose this. I hope he meant it. I just I hope I can. I've told you about the lady that they called me. Go to the hospital, a lady in intensive care. They thought she was dying. Would you go talk to her? I knew a nurse, and so I went up there. This has been about four or five years ago. I went in to talk to the lady, and I asked her, you know, we got into the thing, and I talked to her about Christ, and I said, have you ever put your faith in Christ for eternal life? And she said, yes. I said, so you've trusted in Jesus Christ? Yes. I said, so you know you have eternal life? And she said, I hope so. And I said, but we went through it again. I, I went through this, I'm telling y'all, 10 to 12 times. And every answer was, I hope so. I could never get her to say, I know I have eternal life. Even though she says she puts the faith in Jesus. We said, John 3:16. she said, I said, what do you get when you trust in Jesus? She says, eternal life. I said, so you've trusted in Jesus. You have eternal life. I hope so. That's not how we live. We don't live with I hope so. We live with the fact that Jesus Christ died for us, paid for our sins, and rose again, and we trust in him and him alone to give us what? Eternal life. And the moment we believe in him, we have eternal life. Now, there's a mistake on your handout. I don't even know where we are on the page, but it says at the top, I think at the third page, it says there's no second death, meaning that we'll never... And it's got Romans 20, verse 6. It should say Revelation 20, verse 6. And look, there's no, no second death, which the second death is the eternal death. Look what he says in Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. That's us. Over these, the second death has no power. But we'll be priests to God and Christ, and we'll reign for a thousand years. So all of us, we will rule and reign with Christ, or we'll, we'll be with Christ for the thousand years. Revelation 20, verse 6. So just change that deal. It's not Romans. Uh, if you're looking for Romans 20, you'll never find it. Because yeah. Roman, Romans ends in chapter 16. So anyway, uh, 
But so by faith in Christ, we gain eternal life. Is that amazing? What did you have to do? What good works did you have to do to be saved? What good works do you have to do to keep saved? None. It's not by works of righteousness we've done, but it's according to his mercy that he saves us. You can't, listen, we should, never, we should never take this for granted. We should never be passive about this. We should say, listen, the greatest message of all is that God has given me eternal life because I trusted in him to give me eternal life. And he is the creator, the redeemer, sustainer, provider, perfecter. He died on the cross, rose again, and he gives to me the gift, the gift of eternal life. We should never take it for granted. We should never act like it's something we know. Because the truth is, we do know it. But how many people out there know that? You cannot expect and think that all the people you talk to know exactly what you know. Because it's always vague. It's, I mean, you talk to people, you read books. You can't, you, sometimes you read books, you go, I don't even know what this person's saying. Right? And they'll say, salvation is a gift. And they'll say, repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, be willing to turn from this. And you're going, wait a minute, I thought you just said it was a gift. Oh, and what, uh, what is that thing that uh, is, Owen, can you hear me? That thing you told me about the, uh, what they're saying, they're saying salvation is, is faith. And what is faith? Forsaking. There's a group of people, they've got a new, a new slogan to lead people to Christ. And salvation comes by forsaking all. And what? I trust him. Okay. Is salvation that we forsake everything? Isn't that, isn't that discipleship? Does that confuse the message? Let me ask you, if, if the message was forsaking all and you meant I'm trusting nothing else but Jesus, that might be okay. But I don't, when I hear forsaking all, I don't think that, do you? I think I'm giving up everything and then I can be what? Saved. Giving up everything deals with what? With what? Works, but that's discipleship, isn't it? Have you given up everything? I made a decision, and when I was 26, I said, Lord, I give you my life. I give up everything. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever. I, I, I made that decision. Sometimes I take things back. But, <laughs> but my plan was, I gave, you know, that's, that's discipleship. We're going to talk about that this morning because we're going to see Jesus goes by a guy by the name of Levi, and he doesn't say, believe in me. Do you know what he says? Anybody read the passage for this morning? I know you've all read it, studied through it, and are prepared for me to teach it to you. He says, what? Follow me. That's what he says to Levi. He didn't say believe in me. Le believe Levi, Matthew has already believed in him. Matthew got up and left a very well-paying job to go be with Jesus. That's discipleship. This is salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. What do we get? Eternal life. Well, we're running out of time, so let's look at this one. This is abundant life. And this is the one dealing with us. This is for Christians, and we can have victory over, temple, uh, uh, victory over temporal death by having the abundant life. Now, just understand that as a believer, we die temporally because of sin, and we lose our fellowship with God. We've talked about this many, many times, that when you trust in Christ as Savior, you can never lose your relationship. You have eternal life, and you're saved forever. But you can lose your fellowship with Him. 
And when you lose your fellowship with him, there's a separation. And the Bible calls it you die. You die temporally until what? Until you confess your sin and get back into fellowship. So we temporally die. But here's what he says. He says, the thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you may have what? Life, that's eternal life, and have it what? Abundantly. He said, listen, the contrast between being temporally dead all the time and having abundant life goes back to God's provision. And his provision is, how can we have this abundant life? We abide in Christ having fellowship and being fruitful. That's really how it works. You, you walk in the Spirit. You live in the... We, we just finished a, a study uh, last spring uh, called the 412 Christian Life. And we went through a lot of information. And we talked about how do you live the Christian life? You live the Christian life based on the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, obeying the scripture. And, and so we abide in Christ, which means we take fellowship with him. Let me tell you, if I sin, I'm not abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ means I remain with him. I'm, I'm right beside him. But if I sin, I'm doing this. I'm breaking fellowship. That's called separation, and that's called death. And so he says, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to live your Christian life dead. I want you to be in fellowship. I want you to abide. And so what has he done? He First of all, he says, if we walk in the light, he's in the light. If we walk in fellowship with him, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Christ keeps on cleansing us. What do we do when we sin? Well, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, this is how we deal with it. When we realize that we've broken our fellowship, when we realize that we now did temporally, if we confess our sins, that's a third class if, which means maybe we will or maybe we won't. We might confess them, but we might not. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous or just to forgive. That puts us back into fellowship and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just the sins that we confess, but every sin. That's that, and we've talked about this a lot of times. Do I need to go over that? You understand that if I realize that I lied, there may be ten other sins that I've done that I hadn't even thought about. And I say to the Lord, oh, Lord, I lied. If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me. I lied. And to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, even the ones I don't remember. God is so great. I read a book by a famous guy one time. And he said, in order to be saved, you must remember every sin you've done and confess those to be saved. It's in the back of his book. If I told you his name, uh, you would be very sad. Can you remember all the sins you did yesterday? I can't, I can't remember the ones I've done this morning. Uh, you know. So the bottom line is, what do we do? How do we get back in fellowship? How do we have victory over temporal death? It comes by the abundant life when we trust in Jesus Christ. So we realize this, that God in, Christ, in Jesus Christ has got provision for all death. Spiritual death, physical death, eternal death, and even temporal death. And we saw that he gives us spiritual life in the place of spiritual death. He gives us a glorified physical body in the place of a dying body. He gives us eternal life in the place of eternal death. He gives us abundant life in the place of temporal death. And that's what he's done for us. And you, you, this is the victory over death. We're going to talk about it. I've got a couple more lessons, but what I want to do beginning next week and the week after that, what happens to us when we die? Because we're talking, this whole study is called Victory Over Death. Where do we go? What happens to people when they die? You could easily say, well, believers go to heaven and unbelievers go to hell. That's not exactly right, by the way. 
and we're going to look at it and how it fits. But let's, let's be reminded of this. Application. Let's realize God's provision, provisions for victory over death, first of all, by faith. Now notice, by faith in Jesus Christ, we have spiritual life gaining victory over spiritual death. The provision of spiritual life comes by what? By faith. You, it, you trust Christ and you have eternal life and you have spirit, you're spiritually alive. Second, Jesus will give us a glorified body so we can have victory over physical death. Now, I want you to notice that I didn't say whoever believes gets that. Everyone gets that. Jesus died to pay for everyone's sins. Jesus rose to conquer death for everyone. Every human being will have a body we, you could say glorified body if you want to. You're going to have a body. They're going to have a body that will never wear out. But where, where are the unbelievers going to be with a body that will never wear out? They're going to be lake of fire. Yeah. That's why annihilation is not true. Because he didn't say, the unbelievers, I annihilate them. He said, no, I give life to all. In fact, I've conquered death for all. Jesus will give us a glorified body so we can have victory over physical death. Uh, by faith in Christ, we have eternal life, given us victory over eternal death, which is the second death. This is the one that we always that we think about all the time when we say think about it. We say you go tell people how they can have eternal life. They can have eternal life. But in reality, when you tell them how they can have eternal life, they all, you're also telling them how they can have spiritual life. Because the moment they believe in Christ, they're made spiritually alive. This is uh, when I think about. Uh, life and living and everything else, I think this is the key, that we have eternal life over the second death or eternal death. And then last but not least, by confession of sin, we have abundant life, gaining victory over temporal death. Now, I should probably have put in there uh, abiding in Christ because abiding in Christ is what you're supposed to be doing and confession of sin basically gets you back what you're supposed to be doing. And so you can have that abundant, abundant life as you're abiding in him. And if you sin, you confess sin. So those are the four things. It's about time. Let's do this for a second. Anybody got questions, comments, anything? Any, any question or comment? We don't normally get to do this, but I'm through just a touch early, a couple of minutes early. Questions, comments, anything? It's hard when it's a big group, but... So it all makes perfect sense, huh? Just to clarify, we have victory over, not over. What's the matter? We have victory Typo. over, not over. Ober. 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 Sounds, sounds German. Uber. Uber. <laughs> Do you know what Uber means? It's, it's a, it comes from Hebrew, and it comes from Latin, and it comes from Greek, and it comes from German. It means above. Who pairs the Greek word, which we get Uber from? Yeah, it, it's Greek. Yeah. Which means over. So we have victory, uber, sin, and death, right? It's the Greek word, huper, which actually starts with an H. It's got a rough breathing mark. And so when you look at it in Greek, it looks like it starts with a U, but it actually starts with an H. Yeah, just for those who wanted to know that. Yes, Paul. Okay, it's a, it's a great question. He said, if we're going to have a glorified body, will we have a glorified mind? For some of you, I really hope so. But uh, <laughs> actually, we, will have, we already have the mind of Christ right now because who dwells inside of us. And once we get that glorified body and, you get in, and we get into what we call the kingdom and then on the eternal state, there won't be the flesh to pull us. 
we will be thinking in a whole different way. Most likely we'll be thinking like Christ. And so I think we will look at life and everything totally different because we won't have the nasty pull of the flesh that's always there. And we will be seeing things from an eternal state a lot more than a temporal state. So I think it's not like that we have a different type of mind. I just think we'll be able to think differently and say, oh, wow. To me, this, we're, we're, we're finite. And we're going, in one sense, uh, we'll never be infinite in the sense like God who knows everything. And we're finite in our limitedness. And so there'll be some things throughout all eternity we'll never grasp because we're not God. Even though he lets us live forever with him and rule with him, if those who do, uh, that doesn't mean we're God. I mean, I've actually had said people say, well, when you get to the eternal state, you'll be like a God. I said, no, 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 that's, that's Mormonism. That's, uh, that's Satanism. That's Satan telling Adam and Eve in the garden they would be like gods. We're not going to be God. We're never going to be God. God is a separate being, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is God who actually became human being flesh. So he's the only member of the Godhead that has a human body. And so we'll be actually see him and touch him. I, I'm not sure we'll ever be able to, we may be able to see some manifestation of the Father and the Spirit, but I don't know if we'll ever touch them because they don't have bodies. Right? So Jesus does have a body. That's some, some weird things. Does that help a little bit on that? Okay, that's a great point. He said, and they brought this up last week in the grow group, when we see Jesus, will he still have the scars? I think he will, because when he rose from the grave and he was in the room and he showed them the scars and everything, I think he'll have them on purpose so that whenever we see him, we'll always be reminded of what he's done. I mean, for us, I don't, I, whatever, you got a big scar right here. You go, that's, what happened to that scar? Well, it's got a different body now. But I think his scars will always be there simply to remind us from all time what he's done for us. Great question. Great point. Anything else? God, I'm going to let it. We can go in two more minutes if you want to. Or then again, not if you want to. Uh, anybody want some more Greek lesson? Yeah, I see a hand. What is it? Is it Charlene? Oh, wait. Thank you for coming. Thanks for coming. We're this way. Yeah. He didn't. Oh, uh-uh. In- incarnation. Yeah, okay, this is a great question. She said that Jesus Christ is a spirit being, and at a point in time in history, according to Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, God brought forth a son born of a woman. At exactly the right time, Jesus Christ took a human body and came to the earth. There were times before he was the incarnation, John 1, 14, the word became flesh. Before that actually happened, there were times that Jesus would manifest himself. They're called Christophanies or Theophanies. Christophany means a Christ appearing. Theophany means a God appearing. There throughout the Old Testament, there would be some form of God or Jesus, and, and they would look like a human being or look like something. It wasn't the body that he's going to have when he was born in the world, but there was a way that he manifested himself. Just like some angels manifested themselves, even though angels are spirit beings, sometimes they manifest themselves as human beings as well. But they don't have bodies, it's just they manifested it that way. So they, they call those theophanies or Christophanies in which Jesus or God himself, made some kind of appearance. Think about it, in the garden. <clears throat> what, what did Adam and Eve hear? They heard God walking in the garden. Well, what do you mean, walking in the garden? I think he took some kind of presence and form when he talked to Adam, when he talked to Eve. What do you think? What, I mean, th- ask this, what did he look like when he's talking to Adam about, uh, it's not good for you to be alone. Let's make some animals and you name them. 
Do you think it was just some kind of vision, you know, something focused, or was there some kind of form that God took to talk to Adam? I think it was some kind of form. And so that's what we call a theophany. 